Hello guys, Jonathan here from Arcade Repair Tips. We would just like to take a moment and thank you for listening to the audio replay of the live show here on the podcast feed. We'd also like to remind you to join our live show on the first Thursday night of every month at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. It's always a great time and we enjoy interacting with people just like you in our live chat. So be sure to make plans to be there for the next one. Remember also that we have an after show that takes place immediately after the live show. And if you'd like to listen to the audio from that, you will need to check it out on our YouTube page, which can be found at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. So let us continue on with a short word from our sponsor, and then we'll get to the episode. Broadcasting from their world headquarters in Texas, it's the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show. The show that discusses arcade repair, restoration, news, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 44 of the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show for October 2020. Tim, I like to call this the Halloween episode, so uh, that's what we'll go with for today. But, of course, my name is Jonathan. I'm the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, as always, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Pearson. Tim, how are you doing? I'm fine. It's hard to believe that it's uh, October already. Oh, and that we've been this many months in quarantine and everything else. I'm about ready for this year to be over with, though. I am with you 100%. It just seems like things have been so crazy, Tim. I mean, you got to think, you know, I was telling my wife, we were planning for some things the other day, six months in advance. I was like, well, look six months backwards and see if you thought what was going to happen was going to happen. So, um, obviously, a lot of turn- twists and turns, Tim. And it looks like you're in a laboratory tonight. Yeah, I'm working from the main lab. I got my special projects I'm working on, uh, and I'll we'll talk about those later in the show. <laughs> there you go. Well, I like the background, Tim. I think it's something a little bit different. So hopefully, all of you enjoy it as well. And Tim, we want to thank everybody for joining us tonight for this episode. Lots of uh, chatter in the live chat room already. Uh, Louis kind of got some things started. We had a little bit of delay, guys. Just uh, my wife was a little late getting home, so sorry about the delay. But we're good to go now. Should be good to go for the rest of the show. Looks like the real hammer Billy Lee is here, Tim. If you want to say hi to him. Hey, Billy. Uh, Andreas, uh, let's see, Frelberg is here. Um, let's see, we got Wasteland Warrior says, when rebuilding water damage on the bottom of a cabinet, how do you join the new wood and the old wood together? you have any uh, tips for him, Tim? Well, <clears throat> there's probably some better YouTube videos, but, you know, as long as it's not too high up, we generally just go ahead and bondo all, all over everything. Um, but if it's too high up, then we have to cut the bottom of the cabinet and add kind of a riser or an extension to it. And the same thing, we bondo those holes or we laminate over the top of it so you don't see that crack. Or you could just paint over it, but you're going to have to use some good spackling and a lot of sanding. And I was thinking our friend Jeff, who used to do the arcade body shop, he did like a flood restore of like a Pac-Man, right? Where he showed some of that yeah, as well. that'd be a great uh, 
thing to check out. Absolutely. I don't think he's doing videos anymore, Tim, but that one was a particularly good one. So Arcade Body Shop and uh, the Pac-Man Flood Restore, I think, is the one that you want to check out. So you may check that out, Wasteland Wa uh, Warrior, and see if that works for you. So, Tim, I'm getting old or this font is getting smaller. I don't know. It's one of the two. <laughs> but um, anyway, I am able to see most of it. I do see that our moderator, Louis, is here. Louis, thanks for joining us as always. He's going to be making sure that you guys... Uh, uh, stay in line. Is that a good way to say it, Tim? <laughs> well, he answers a lot of questions. Probably looking for that link right now. So we thank you for doing that, Louie. Absolutely. So now, Tim, uh, before we get started, we both had some pickups, um, very different, I would say, pickups. Um, but why don't you go ahead and tell everybody about uh, the pickup that you made recently? Yeah, well, I've, you know, I've had a little extra time. And now that I'm finally getting in my new jobs routine, of course, it, I'm always off in the week when you're working, uh, but uh, our good friend Mike Page and I have um, got together. We did a build, and then um, a guy contacted me about repairing a game. I quoted him my honest price, and um, I think he thought it was a little high, but I told him, I said, look, the parts are so much. It just I've got to make enough money to do it, or it'll sit in my garage, and I won't do it because I need to make money on it. Eventually, he called me and said, because I also offered, I said, one thing you could do is instead, if you don't want to spend any money, let me buy it from you as is, and you'll make money. So I really didn't think I'd hear from him again. Finally, he called me, and he said, so this is a good way to buy games sometimes, guys. And he said, you know what? You're right. It's sitting here in my garage collecting dust, and I could have some money in my pocket and do something with it because I don't really want to spend a lot of money fixing it. And so um, then the next question was, was I kind of made a deal without looking at it. So I thought, man, I better ask this guy. He said it was a Miss Pac-Man game, but he didn't say whether it was dedicated. And as you guys know, uh, when I think of Miss Pac-Man, I think of dedicated Miss Pac-Man, not, you know, a MAME or 61 or some converted game. But, but there's a ton of them out there. So he did send me some pictures and they looked pretty good. So then I kind of got excited and then when I went and saw it, come to find out this game had been in his family since the early 90s and came out of a Dairy Queen uh, not too far, probably about an hour's drive from us, Jonathan. Well, so, we, before you go on, we should mention you work at Dairy Queen now. That's right. And I so, also have purchased some games that used to be in the Dairy Queen as well. Apparently, Dairy Queen put them all in a warehouse at some point and sold them off to some people. And the guy, I bought, I bought a pinball machine and asteroids and... What else did I buy off him? Oh, and a uh, Pac-Man Cabaret. I bought those three had come out of that DQ warehouse, and apparently it sounds like this Miss Pac-Man did as well. I think so. So uh, we went to pick it up, and it's not working. Uh, it's got a board issue immediately. I knew it was not working. That's what he wanted it repaired. I think the monitor's also going to need recaps and stuff, but first got to get the board working. So um, I, I was pretty excited. I hadn't picked up a game uh, in a while, and it was a good price. I offered him a fair price. Um, it's no secret. Uh, the guys want to know uh, kind of what I'd offer. I knew it was complete, and I knew it had some signs of life because Marquis would come on. That He told me the game would actually, you could hear it, uh, which sounded like it was playing blind. But actually, after I picked it up, it wasn't playing blind. It was playing Scrabble screen. And um, 
So it does have some board issues and stuff, but I paid him uh, $250 is what I picked it up for. And I think that's fair for a complete non-working mispack. I mean, to be honest with you, I think some guys would pay up to 300 maybe 350 for that, considering it is complete. I mean, and Tim, the pictures you sent, I wish I would have posted them here in the outline, but the pictures you sent, it's, it looks super clean inside there. Yeah, you know my personal Miss Pac-Man game. It, in fact, it, the artwork and stuff look better than mine, so... We may have to do some swapping before it's all over. Absolutely. Hey, you gotta you gotta make yours look in the best. Absolutely. So, all and right. you know it's hard to find good. Still, I, I mean there probably are some artwork companies that make good Miss Pac-Man uh, control panel overlays, but I'm still looking for a really nice Miss Pac-Man control panel overlay that doesn't have like the doubled up border. You know that looks kind of funky. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So I mean there probably are some out there, but I, I need to do some research. It's been a while, but I need I need one of those for my uh, for my Miss Pac Man. But uh, it's I mean it sounds like you got a fantastic deal to me. I think two hundred fifty dollars. I'll pay that all day for non working complete Miss Pac Man in in the cabinet condition it was in. So right, that's what I thought. I did have to drive about an hour to pick it up. I would have paid more had he delivered it, of course. Um, so overall, and I think the older I get, you know, we used to talk about those. 10 20 50 dollar fines i'm really kind of like after watching you ever watch the show pickers oh yeah i like to watch it because it's like they always feel better when they give a person a decent price and like i told it yeah i'm going to fix it and i'm going to sell it for more but i got to put some money and time into it you know so i thought he was happy and i was happy one thing that i also would tell everybody um i did see that it was uh, his grandpa ran around and you know, a little bit of emotional attachment. I've learned to cut those conversations pretty short, guys, uh, because you don't want too much of the backstory because then it becomes harder and harder for them to let it go. But uh, $250 in cash seemed to perk him up pretty good. Uh, I, I th- like I said, I think it's a fair price for what you got, and I think he got. I mean, he got a fair price, and you got a fair price for it. I mean, to be honest with you, if you've got a non-working game and you don't know how to work on it, it's kind of a boat anchor to you anyway. Anyway, isn't it? Yeah, and that's what I was saying about sometimes I get games like that. I'll quote them a price, and I'm not the cheapest guy in town, but uh, I feel like I'm one of the best. So at the same time, I do it right. I know my games. I know, but it takes time. So I quit doing stuff really cheap. Um, you and I both have been down that road before, Johnson, yep. trying to help people. So what I do is I tell them, look, this is what it would cost, or I can buy it, and you have money. And so it's kind of like um, I know a lot of guys in the car business kind of do that. You know, it's either you get it fixed or they keep it and they sell it. Um, so that's one way that you can get games is by advertising that you fix and repair games. Another game I saw on, I thought was too much. It was $750. Uh, it was a Pac-Man with a Miss Pac-Man inside of it. And I told him the opposite. I said, look, that would probably, that one needs a board repair. It should cost you around a hundred and something bucks. I would keep it and convert it back to Pac-Man. And, uh, and the more I talked to him, I kind of talked him out of selling it. And I'll probably pick up some repair work there. But I didn't make him an offer because I knew we would be too far apart. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, Tim, some people don't realize what they have. Now, if you've got a fully working machine, but it's in rough shape, um, sometimes people think that goes for the eBay price, even though it's not fully restored, and that's not the case. Um, Sometimes people think a broken machine goes for an eBay price, and obviously that's not the case either. So, you know, it's just managing expectations for people. So, like, letting them know up front, you know, like, 
I've seen a lot of arcade games, and what you have here is worth about this much, and I'm willing to pay you, you know, fair, fairly for it based on the condition it's in. But you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pay $800 for a non-working Miss Pac-Man. No, and be, and that's what I told Mike on the way over there. I said the reason why I didn't offer even more is because just because he said this about it, he's not a repair person, or he'd already fixed it. Uh, and I've already said that not only do I got to get the board repaired, I know I'm going to have to do some monitor work. So you really can't tell what's going on with the monitor until you get the board fixed. But I can tell by, by just some things about it and, and knowing things about it. Uh, but at the same time, you know, that's why I told him, anytime a non-working game, treat it like everything in the world is wrong. Because even though I'm going to fix the board, then I'm going to fix the monitor, it still may have a power power issue or something else. Um, when we've been burned before like that, right, Jonathan, seeing a non-working game, um, my classic example was the one I bid on at auction, then got home and found out, yeah, it's why it's not working. It doesn't have any computer in it. It had a tube, didn't have a chassis. You know, it ended up costing, I think we ended up um, parting it out or something. because. And that, was, and that game was an Arctic Thunder. Yeah, it had no chassis, no computer, nothing in it, so... Right. It did have the seat, and we used the seat to scroll or uh, move stuff around the shop sometimes. And it had a so tube had, and a seat and a cabinet. That's basically what you had. Maybe some wiring was in there. I can't remember. Maybe, but, you know, we, we bought at auction. Of course, we couldn't see the inside. So from then on, we learned to treat non-working games like everything is wrong with them. Absolutely. And it's just a fuse or hope it's something else, but don't count on it. Absolutely, Tim. Well, it sounds like you got a great pickup on that Miss Pac-Man. Now, my my find is a little bit different, Tim. I picked up an arcade one up, and so now typically I would not pick up these things used. I've got several of them, but um, the lady only wanted forty dollars for it. It's a Street Fighter Two one, and it is sort of working. Is that a way to say it? Um, yeah. It's like the menu system's not working, but you can boot into the game, which is really interesting. But um, I think it's going to be my candidate for modding one. I've been wanting to, to mod one, and I had an Asteroids in the box that was going to be the candidate for that, but um, obviously the Asteroids doesn't have the six-button layout, two-player uh, layout that I like, and so the Street Fighter 2 does, and since I only got this one for 40 bucks, uh, I think it's become going to become a mod candidate, so... Well, that'll be an interesting project. And what kind of uh, operate are you going to go with a Raspberry Pi or Pandora box? I haven't or? decided. I may go. I may go Pandora just because it's easy. But I mean, Raspberry Pi is not that much difficult, especially with all the images out there now. I mean, you basically flash a card and you're good to go. So I don't know which way I'm going to go, but uh, you know, we'll just see. I mean, I feel like. If you're gonna go, if you're gonna sell it, like Pandora's box is the way to go, because that way it's just like, oh, it is what it is, right? But um, if I end up keeping it, I may go Raspberry Pi. So we'll figure that out. But I did buy um, the the control panel is pretty is pretty worn, Tim, as you can imagine. Like people who didn't get the free deck protectors when they were offering them, um, man, the control panel is just art is just worn to pieces. So I did order a new um, a new little uh, underlay and a new um, a new control deck protector for it. So um, it should be coming soon. So that'll be kind of the first, the first part of it, and then we'll see what we want to mod from there. So, but uh, you know, for forty bucks, it was hard to pass up, Tim. And right after I picked it up, about ten other people commented that they wanted it. So I felt like I felt like it was obviously something that was going to go pretty quick. So it's nice to scoop that up, and like I said, now I have a, something I can play with. So. But anyway, so Tim, let me go ahead and go to some of the live chat here. Delusionals Arcade is here, Tim. If you want to say hi. Hello. Uh, he also says that Joe Sasbo makes a um, or uh, makes a, a perfect uh, Miss Pac-Man overlay, so I may have to look into Joe's stuff. 
and he also says, love your shirt, Jonathan. Cool, thank you. Yeah, this is a Made in the 80s, um, referencing the Mario 3, Super Mario 3 um, cover, Tim. I remember getting this for my birthday. And I remember going to the movie theater to see The Wizard, which was a huge deal at the time. And I don't know how long it's been since you've seen that movie. I try to watch it like once a year, but I really like The Wizard. So uh, let's see. Uh, Regzer Shows here. He says put a Pi 4 in the arcade one up. I may do that because, um, like I said, it's, you know, with all with some, all the images out there and everything, Tim, it's pretty easy to set one up now. And, and so we may go Pi 4 with that. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Razor Show said new joysticks in that one up. Yeah, I was actually surprised. So I played Street Fighter on it. I was actually surprised, Tim, the joysticks still work. Because considering the way this control panel looks, I mean, it looks like the control plan- panel, like they beat on it horribly. Um, I'm surprised that the joysticks register at all. But they actually, all the controls work. But like Razor Show said, they're not worth much. The quality of the controls is pretty poor. So we're going to end up replacing those for sure. Uh, let's see. Scott wants to know, what's a good price for a Moon Patrol machine, Tim? Oh, gosh, I haven't bought a Moon Patrol in a long time. I would say if it's dedicated and 100% working, you're probably looking at $700, $800 now, uh, maybe up to $1,200. Um, somebody in the chat room can correct me if they've actually purchased or seen one sell. They're getting so rare um, I wouldn't be surprised if they go for fifteen hundred or more. Absolutely, haven't seen too many um, too many of those lately. It seems like, and it seems like Williams games as a whole, Tim, are very collectible, and so people tend to scoop them up and not resell them. So it's been a while since I've seen a Moon Patrol out there. Uh, Seven eight hundred dollars for a fully restored one would not surprise me one bit. Um, you know, obviously, if you get one that's working in rough shape, you may be able to get it for less than that. But for fully restored, you know, I think you're right on the money, Tim, and maybe higher, just depending on what area you're in because i mean in some places you know obviously uh you know prices kind of go up from there so um i think i think what you got is pretty good but if the if the live chat has any uh, other other ideas on price for moon patrol we'd like to hear it too right tim yeah so there we go okay Tim. i think we are caught up with the live chat for this evening and tim before we get started into our questions though i did want to say that uh, we recently commissioned a Halloween logo to be made of the Arcade Repair Tips logo, um, just because, you know, it's, like I said, this is kind of the Halloween show, right? Uh, so we want to have a little fun, guys, and so we um, we got with somebody, and he did three different ones for us, and Tim, one of them won based on all of the input from uh, from uh, the staff, and so I'm going to go ahead and put that up here now, and you guys can see it. So this is going to be on our, um, this is going to be on some of our... Uh, social media pages very soon, but it, it's kind of it's got arcade repair tips Tim and kind of like the Polybus um, style font, and then it's got a little pumpkin there and some tools as well. But uh, we want to thank Josh Niels for designing that for us. And if you need some uh, if you need some work, some design work done, you can uh, contact him at bumpinthump05 at yahoo.com. And Tim, I uh, put his uh, email address down below. But I thought he did a really good job on this. Tim, um, I think I got outvoted. I actually liked one of the other ones that he did, but uh, it seemed like everybody else liked this one. And I, I like this one. I like the other one a bit more, but um, I still I still think he did a great job on all of these. So we want to thank Josh for doing that. And like I said, if you have any design needs for your business or your YouTube channel or your podcast, uh, contact him at bumpinthump05 at yahoo.com. And again, it's in the show notes as well. Tim, what do you think of the, of the Halloween logo? Oh, I think it's pretty cool. That was my favorite offhand. I, you know, I got my glasses on. I just, I'm trying to zoom in a little bit. It looks like it's at a wrench. A wrench the, and, and a screwdriver, it looks like. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Instead of like carving tools, that's kind of what I was thinking. Uh, and I, I thought he did a great job. Absolutely. Contact him 
about some artwork I need. There you go. Well, I thought he did good on, on all three of the logos they sent over. Um, I like this one. I like the other one just a little bit more because I thought it was kind of funny. But this one is going to be the official one. So we may use the other two at some other point in the future, Tim. You never know. So, uh, But thanks, Josh, for taking care of that. And, again, you guys uh, contact him if you have any design needs. He'll hook you up. Well, Tim, let's go ahead and get into our questions. Now, again, we have a follow-up, Tim, before we get into questions from a previous episode. And so let's go ahead and throw that up here. And this follow-up is from Sean. And Tim, you may remember he had a question about ground trees and how uh, and ground distribution blocks in particular. In yeah. particular, you may remember that. So he says, hello, thank you for the help on the ground tree conundrum. This is a gutted cabinet that has a Captain America board I pulled out. Just wondering what kind of cabinet it is and what could have gone in it originally. There's no marquee. Was it a trivia machine or something someone threw a fighter in? Just curious, Sean. So Tim, we have a lot of arcade experts in the live chat tonight, I know. So I'm going to throw these pictures up here and we're going to see what everybody thinks this used to be. Now, Tim, you, you can see these on the outline. Right. What is your best guess? Now, he said, could it have been a trivia machine of some sort? Um, you know, I'm thinking yes, probably. But what are your thoughts besides trivia machine? Well, I'm thinking that somebody actually cut a cabinet down and kind of made this. Uh, that's my guess. Um, because it, it has the speakers in the front um, and it, the control panel, I think what they, they probably had a location or they just liked it better at that angle and stuff. Uh, which wouldn't be hard to do, but I have. It could be a, a trivia machine. Yeah, and I, you know, I've seen the trivia machines like that. In fact, we're about to show a picture of one. I'm leaving this picture up here so uh, everybody in the live chat can get a really good look at it. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, sorry, um, you're going to have to check out the YouTube video to see what the cabinet looks like. But uh, Tim, it, it basically does look like somebody cut the top of this cabinet off, which is very yeah. common because a lot of times operators would have problems getting uh, cabinets through doors. And uh -huh. so in order to get a cabinet through the door, instead of leaning it back like we would normally do, Tim, they would just lop the top of it off and, and then, uh, you know, uh, take the router bit and do a new uh, little groove for the T-molding and then just run the T-molding right up the side. And so uh, it's not uncommon to see this. We've seen it with a lot of different cabinets, Tim, where they've cut, you know, they've physically cut off part of the cabinet. But, Tim, it could very well be a trivia machine as well. So I'm going to go ahead and throw up uh, kind of our thoughts or some of my thoughts on here so people can see. Uh, Sean, yes, it does look like it could have been a quiz slash trivia cabinet at some point during its life. It is not uncommon for operators to convert cabinets to play other games, especially if they pick up one cheap at an arcade auction or through other means. With that said, it is also possible that it is a standard arcade cabinet that an operator cut the top off of in order to make it easier to move, fit into a location better, or for various other reasons. The only electronic parts that are in the head of a cabinet, Tim, are the marquee light, right? Right. Sometimes speakers, but we know that this cabinet has the speakers down in the cabinet. So that's not a, that's not a problem with this one. Uh, so you don't have to worry about that since it does have the cabinet speakers on the front. So basically the marquee light's the only thing you'd have to worry about in this guy. But Tim, the fact that it has the speakers in the front makes me think that this cabinet was designed to look like this. And so it probably was not lopped off, I'm, I'm imagining, because like I said, the vast majority of arcade cabinets we've seen have the speakers in the marquee head uh, instead of on the cabinet itself, so... Any other thoughts for Sean? No, that's exactly what I was thinking. The, the speakers kind of make me think it probably was a dedicated cabinet of some sort. Absolutely. So, Sean, hopefully that helps you with the follow-up. And, and Timmy actually sent in an additional question about a different cabinet. So we're going to go ahead and go to that now. He says, I bought an Ikari Warriors 2, which is pretty, which pretty sure is a Dogo Soken, which I hope my Japanese is good, Tim. I'm not sure. Dogo Soken. 
Okay. Oh, I'm reading that one. There you go. On account, it yells at me in Japanese, which requires joystick repair. Unfortunately, the joysticks are not the correct ones for this game. Do they make reproduction Akari Warriors, Heavy bar Barrel, etc. type rotary joysticks now? What would be my options? Addicted to the site and the show. They're wonderful. God bless you guys. Very nice, Tim, to uh, get such kind words from Sean here. But, uh, Tim, he's got a pretty good... Uh, issue here in the fact that he has an Akari Warriors, which is known for the rotary joysticks, Tim, and he cannot find them anywhere. So, Tim, uh, do you have any sources for the um, the SNK LS30 rotary joysticks? Because it seems like those are hard to come by. I wouldn't say unobtainium per se, but let's say when you find them, they're not cheap. So, Yeah, and I literally thought that there were reproduction ones out there, but I know you researched it a lot, and we really couldn't find any that are currently, unless there's some in production we're not aware of, so somebody knows, because you could buy them there for a while, and you couldn't, and um, I know that half offered a version one time, but they don't sell them anymore. We can't find it anymore. Uh, there is a kind of a hack that you can do, and I think that you're going to show a link to that. I've never done that, uh, but getting kind of desperation on these, maybe somebody should take that over or project over any entrepreneurs in the chat room tonight on a good project, because that is a, a real need out there for this type of joystick. They do pop up online, like on eBay and stuff, but they usually command a pretty good price. And, uh, you know, one time we probably had a dozen of them, and now we don't have any. So if somebody needed one, uh, for here local, if I was repairing one, I would be in the same boat right now. You know, Tim, it was one of those things, if we bought a cabinet at an auction and it had them on them, a lot of times we took, it, took them off and we would change the game out with something else. And so, yeah. you know, because those games just really didn't earn well at the time that we were you know, we were running our routes. And so a lot of times we would change those cabinets over to other things. We'd throw those joysticks into a bin somewhere. And, you know, who knows where that bin is now kind of thing, you know. And, I mean, we sold off so many of our parts that, I mean, I doubt we have any anymore. And they are harder to come by for now for sure. But, <clears throat> excuse me, Tim, these are the... Um, this SNK LS30 rotary joysticks that we're talking about here. And like you mentioned, Suzo Hap used to have replacements that you could buy. But Tim, I think now that you just don't see these games out anymore, there was no reason for Suzo Hap to continue to produce them. It's probably expensive to produce them, and they're probably not selling a whole bunch of them. So it's kind of like one of those things, why spend the money to do production if if we're not going to sell any. And so I really do think that's probably what happened. Now, Tim, you mentioned that you can mod the board to use some standard joysticks. I'm going to talk about that here in a second. But you can also hack joysticks with like an optical sensor that detects the rotation, which we've seen that before. Um, there's some people who have done that. But that really is a hack in my opinion, Tim. You know, I mean, you're, you're, you're basically making something that wasn't really supposed to do what it does do what right. it's supposed to do. And so um, there's a little hackery that goes on with that. But it's the same way with the board as well. So, um, you know, but, uh, and it looks like, um, Louie sent, uh, Louie posted a link on eBay. I'm not sure how much those are that he's, um, that he, uh, that he linked to. So I'm not sure how expensive they are, Tim, but we could not find a place that was reproducing them. There were a lot of sellers on like eBay and stuff that were selling, you know, used ones, obviously, but not a whole lot of people who were selling reproduction ones. And so with that in mind, Sean, your best bet may be either to mod the board or to mod a joystick to do the optical sensing. So uh, let's go ahead and show our slide here, Tim. We'll talk about it a little bit. So games like Akari Warriors and Heavy Barrel originally came with the SNK LS30 rotary joysticks installed. These joysticks have become hard to find in recent years. They will pop up on eBay every so often, like, 
you know, like Louis Ling to, but they usually command a high price. Uh, Suzo Hap offered their own version at one time, but it's no longer available on their website. Now, Tim, you may be able to call Suzo Hap. They may have some back stock somewhere that we don't know about. And so if that's the case, we can, you know, you can call them up, say, hey, I'm really desperate for a rotary joystick. Do you guys have any more and see what they can do? I'm not making any promises if you call them that they'll have it, but it's something that you can do and it may be worth a shot. Now, some operators have modified the um, either the joysticks, Tim, to with an optical sensor, like standard joysticks with an optical sensor to do it, or have physically modified the game board to use eight-way joysticks so that they don't have to spend so much on the LS30 style joysticks. And Tim, there's a mod uh, from, remember RGVAC? Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, so RGVAC, um, there was actually a mod that somebody talks about on a standard Akari Warriors where you can basically mod the board to do just an eight-way joystick, and so that is something. Louis mentions Ultimark, but I think the Ultimark version only works with PCs, Tim. I'm not sure that it works with uh, standard arcade boards. I could be wrong, uh, Louis. So you may, if you have a moment, you may look and see if it would work with an arcade board. But Ultimark does produce a version for $49, uh, like a little kit that you can get that will um, that will make your joystick a rotary style. But I'm not sure if that's going to work on a standard arcade board or if that's just going to work on a PC. Because, Tim, uh, we're very familiar with Ultimark, as you know, and most of the time uh, Ultimark makes things for PCs. And so not to say that some, their stuff doesn't work as well, on uh, on uh, standard arcade boards as well. It's just most of the time they make PC stuff. So if uh, if that does work, you could check out Ultimark and see if that would work. But I'm, I wasn't for sure and I didn't want to list that, Louis. But if you could do some more research on that, that'd be great. But uh, Tim, for the most part, outside of maybe the Ultimark stick, that would be the closest thing to a reproduction that we have. Uh, but is there anything else for Sean? I mean, any other places do you... Th- that you think that Sean could go to, um, that he may be able to find one of these. Hey, um, uh, who's our buddy who has all the used arcade parts, Tim? Chris Monroe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can contact Chris Monroe. He's probably got some in a, in a warehouse somewhere, I'd imagine. So, But uh, I don't know. I don't think he has a website, Tim. And since there haven't been any expos, he probably hasn't been uh, selling a whole lot of parts lately, I'd imagine. Probably not. So, um, but, uh, yeah, but Chris Monroe is a guy who, he actually bought out a lot of our stuff, Tim, when we, when we kind of closed up our warehouse. He buys out, um, just bulk lots of parts and then sells them at these, uh, conventions and things. But, Tim, if anybody was going to have one, I'd put my money on him. I, I would, too. Uh, probably eBay is going to be his best bet, though, and just going to have to, you know, keep an eye out on a search for him. Now, Louie does say that he thinks that, uh, he says, my bad, you are correct. So I assume that he thinks that's also just for PC and it's not for standard arcade boards. But Tim, this looks like an opportunity for somebody if they wanted to uh, to build a compatible uh, SNK LS30 joystick, they may have some business. So there we go. So uh, Tim, I think we'll move on. But Sean, hopefully that answers your question and uh, good luck. Now, Tim, the fact that he did say that his, his uh, cabinet had the wrong joysticks could mean that the board that he has has already been set up for standard joysticks. So that'd be something to check first, Sean, to make sure that your board isn't already configured to work with standard joysticks. Because it is, then um, then you may be able to do it. Uh, Delusional's Arcade says you can also check Arcade Boneyard. Uh, the Arcade Boneyard website, which may also have it as well. Yes. So, and it looks like uh, Louis also has some of the quarter arcade. There's some links in the live chat. So, Sean, if you um, if you're watching this back, check out the live chat and see if you, see if any of those links work for you. So, hopefully that helps, Sean. And good luck uh, finding some uh, LS30 joysticks for your Victory Road Akari Warriors 2 arcade cabinet. Okay, Tim, let's go back here. Uh, YouTube Punk is here. You can say hi to him. Oh, hey. 
So uh, then we got, uh, oh, YouTube Punk says, uh, Dell beat me here. I'm slipping. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> always fun. Uh, it looks like that's all. And the rest of them are just talking about uh, the LS30 joysticks that we talked about. And YouTube Punk says he sent a donation in to him via PayPal. So yay. Thank you, YouTube Punk. We are always appreciative of donations. Guys, remember, you can also donate by uh, clicking the little dollar sign in the live chat if you're joining us live tonight. Or by going to arcaderepairtips.com slash donate. You can donate there as well. And Tim, we are appreciative of all donations. And just know that they go to support us and all of the great work that we do. I wouldn't call it great. All of the work that we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about that? <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to put the qualifier great. We'll take that off. All of, in fact, I may use an S word instead. I'll just let you. Um, I'll let you insert your own S word there. So, <laughs> super is the one I was meaning. Just so you know. But anyway, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you knew exactly what I meant, right, Tim? Yes. Exactly. So, okay, guys. We don't get sued for saying anything good. We just do, but we do a lot of work. We can't say that much. There you go. Exactly. So, anyway, so thank you for all your donations. They are highly appreciated. Uh, Tim, I think we're caught up with everybody. So let us continue on with James. And James says, "Hi. So I'm having an issue with my cabinet. The screen isn't working at all when the power is on, but the sound is fine." It's currently set up using a JAMA harness, as far as I know, and I'm thinking one of two things. Either the tube is completely done or the chassis has failed. I don't know much about it, to be honest. I just picked it up and figured, how hard can it be, right? Totally wrong, LOL. But my question is this, how do I determine why the screen isn't turning on? What test can I do to determine if it's the display or something else on the chassis causing the issue? Any information would be much appreciated. So Tim, we've got James here. It sounds like he's got a, a very classic case of something we like to call plain blind, correct? That's what, exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, so he says that he can hear the sound, and, and you know, for those of you who are joining us for the first time tonight, uh, playing blind is when you can hear the game playing, but you don't see anything on your screen. Tim, usually indicative of a monitor issue, correct? Most of the time. Uh, every once in a while it might be a tube or something, uh, but it's really pretty rare. Most of the time, and, but sometimes it's something simple as just a connection to the monitor has come undone, or it's not getting power, or, uh, you know, or the... What am I going to say? The connector going from the video could just be off or a pinout or something or unhooked. So sometimes just looking at that and, uh, and checking some things, a lot of times it's not very detailed. But then it also could be, as in the video that we shot, everything in the world that could go wrong with your chassis. <laughs> well, anything in the high voltage section that could go wrong with your chassis, right? Exactly. So, um, you know, it's a good thing to watch, watch that video because it, I, one of the videos I'm most proud of because we get so many questions like this. And to believe it or not, guys, you know, I remember a lot of things, but the older I get, I don't have Alzheimer's, but I definitely have some timers. I've even watched my own video. <laughs> some of the stuff that we did or, or checked. Um, and that's a very good video to watch if you're having this issue. I think that will help him a lot. And Tim, we should mention that there's an extended cut of this video, I think, on the Volume 4 DVD. And yeah. guys, it, there's something about this video that I think we may have talked about in the past, but if we haven't, I want to bring it up again, in the fact that, you know, I really thought that the hot was going to fix it. I had not ordered a flyback for this 
chassis when we did that video. And so there's a part, when we get the arcing off the flyback, there's a part where Tim goes and, you know, and now we're going to replace the flyback and we'll see you real soon. And we finished shooting that and I thought, okay, well, we're going to have to stop and order a flyback. And then, lo and behold, we had some working flybacks in all of our parts chassis that we had just up on the shelf. Yeah. And so, um, in the extended cut of the video, you actually see us pull the flyback off of a parts chassis to install on this chassis so we could get it working. But that was not in the plan. That was something that just kind of happened organically. And luckily, Tim had a parts chassis that had a working flyback on it. So we got really lucky with that. Yeah, we did. So, but the extended cut of the video, Tim, obviously is longer and has some of the great stuff like that in it. And if you don't have our Volume 4 DVD that has that on it, you're missing out because it really does give a lot more detail than what the YouTube version does. YouTube gives you the basics, but uh, we go into a lot more detail on the extended cut of that video. So, uh, again, if you don't have our Volume 4 DVD, you can get it at our store, ArcadeRepairTips.com. Uh, dot com slash store and uh, get you a copy of it. it's really really great so uh but yeah tim i mean here you know he's kind of a novice uh tim just based on the way he kind of phrased the question and he kind of tells us up front that he's never really worked on games before so um one of the things you know you're you're mentioning is like checking the power getting to the monitor like checking at the connector i think that's a great place for james to start because it'll also get him somewhat familiar with using a multimeter which if he isn't already familiar with that he probably needs to be right yeah. So uh, probably a good idea to maybe go with a multimeter and check that the monitor is getting voltage before you move on to the chassis itself. Tim did mention, though, that um, most of the times when we have this problem is a chassis problem, not a tube problem. So, Tim, with all that in mind, I'm just going to go ahead and move to the slide. From your description, it sounds like your cabinet is experiencing a classic case of playing blind. This is almost always caused by an issue with the monitor. That set, with that said, it is important that you make sure that the monitor is getting the correct voltage from the cabinet. Use a multimeter to check that this is the case, Tim. Yeah, and you can check the voltage getting to the monitor, Tim, uh, very easily. You know, you just basically, you can, un a lot of times, Tim, you can even unplug the monitor from from the power supply, put your prongs inside of the connector for the monitor, and then just put your uh, your multimeter on AC check, and you should get you should get a voltage there. If you get good voltage to your monitor, then we know that the problem is in your monitor somewhere, and so at that point you can move on to the chassis. And like we mentioned here, if the input voltage is good, it's time to move to the monitor itself. While it's possible that's a bad tube. Uh, it's most of the time caused by an issue in the high voltage section of your chassis. And like Tim and I both mentioned, check out our post on troubleshooting games that are playing blind for more information. Tim, is there anything else you want to uh, say to James here before we move on? No, I think that video will help him tremendously, though, so he needs to watch that one. Sounds good. So, James, hopefully that answers your question. Good luck getting your monitor going, and make sure you check out our video and post on, on troubleshooting games that are playing blind for more help with your issue. So... <laughs> Louis says shameless promotion post uh, volume 4 DVD and he puts a link to it for us Tim so thank you Louis you're the man so Louis is the man so now Tim uh, we have the Michael's Minute video coming up now and hey. before before I say before I read it I do want to say this I only send the ones to Michael that I that we can't figure out so poor Michael has to do the ones that are the hardest of the hard, it seems like. And so, Tim, this one, I, I um, you know, we got the video and the, and the guy sent it in. And Dan already said that he was going to be watching tonight at some point. So, Dan, if you're watching this, uh, this was a pretty tough one, to be honest with you. And so, like, I looked at it and I'm like, Michael. And so, um, I, so Michael basically got a pretty tough one. And Tim, Michael, um, we've exchanged some emails since he sent me this. And he's still trying to figure out exactly what's going on with this. So okay. um, with that in mind, let me go ahead and read the question and, and uh, we'll move from there. So 
This is a question from Dan. He said, I recently purchased a Qbert and the Wells Garner K4900 monitor was having some horizontal issues. I just replaced my existing chassis with a fully capped one and it's doing the exact same thing as before. Please help. Thank you, Dan. And so Tim, um, just to give you the lowdown here for Dan, okay, before I play Michael's video. So he has a Qbert he bought, okay? And you saw how it's kind of got that little wave off to the side, right? Cuber can slide down that long slide over there. Exactly. So he's got that. So it was doing it on one chassis, and then he recaps another chassis, the exact uh, K4900 chassis, swaps them out, still doing it. That's crazy, yeah. Yeah, so um, with that in mind, let us go to our resident monitor expert, Michael, and see what he has to say. Here we go, Tim. Hey, everyone. Michael back with another Michael's Minute. This month we have Dan. Dan has a Cubert machine. He said he's having some horizontal problems with. Um, Dan sent a video in. and Dan also said he replaced the existing chassis with one that was just newly capped, and the problem stayed the same, which is pretty odd. Um, I took a look at the video, and really it's hard to say if it's a horizontal problem or a vertical problem. Um, the first reaction I would do was probably just adjust the vertical size and see if the problem stays the same or if it changes any. Um, second, on those K4900 chassis, there's two different versions. Um, when you order a cap kit, sometimes that comes into play of which cap kit you need. Uh, for instance, 308, C308 is a 2.2 or 3.3 microfarad cap, depending on which version you have. Um, I had a bowling alley contract when I had my shop, and all their overhead displays had K4900s. And Half of them were the version that took the 3.3, and half of them were the version that took the 2.2. And if I ever got them mixed up, I had this similar issue. So I would look there and see which value he has in his chassis and whichever one he has. Try replacing it with the other and see if that helps the problem in any way. Also, I don't know if this is a 60-in-1 board or not, but if so, I know K4900s have an issue sometimes with different manufacturers of the 60-in-1s. And sometimes there's some mods you have to do, I believe, and tail some jumpers to make them work right with the 60 on one board. Um, other than that, especially with the problem coming, you know, going over two different chassis like that, the only thing that else I believe it could be would be the tube, if maybe if it's the wrong tube size for the chassis. Um, I mean, I have seen that. It's kind of rare. But that's all I have for now. I'm real curious to see what's going on, you know, if that would help him. And I'd love to hear an update and see what else we can do to get him going. But take care, everybody. I'll see you all next month. Okay, so that was Michael, guys. And he gave some, Tim, he gave some really good um, <clears throat> ideas for, you know, the things that we can do as far as the, you know, as, as far as Dan's problem is concerned. But I'm going to go ahead and just summarize what he what he said in the video so people can see. So um, like he mentioned, it's kind of hard to say if it's a horizontal or vertical problem. I know Dan says it's more of a horizontal problem, but Tim, it's kind of hard to tell just with the way that it's moving. And that was Michael's point. So he says you might try adjusting the vertical size, perhaps the hold as well, and see if the problem stays the same or changes. And he also says make sure that you're using the right cap kit for your K4900 chassis, Tim. And I, you know, I remembered this, but I did not... Like, I remembered it now that Michael said it, but at, when um, when I got the question, I had no idea. But there are two different versions of the K4900 chassis. There's one that uses um, the 2.2 the, uh, microfarad at C, C308, and there's one that uses the 3.3 microfarad at C308. And so if you swap those, 
Like if you have a version that uses a 2.2 and you put the 3.3 in, it can cause that issue apparently or vice versa. So you do want to make sure that you've got the, the right caps for your version of the K4900. And Tim, Michael should know because like he mentioned in the video, he actually he, he actually worked for a bowling alley repairing their monitors and all their monitors were K4900s. So he's got a lot of experience with the K4900. Now he says... He says, other than that, it's possible that your tube is the wrong size for the chassis. That's another thing he mentions. Very strange that the issue occurs regardless of chassis. You might try installing them on a different tube to see if it makes a difference. Um, Wasteland Warrior says, I was thinking the yoke too. Could be a yoke issue, a bad yoke. I mean, I, you know, either, what are you my, Go ahead, Tim. That was my guess, that it was because of yoke issue. Yeah, so, I mean, but again, kind of related to the tube too, right? So here's the deal. If it's not in the chassis, Tim, it's got to be in the tube, right? I mean, there's, there's real. I mean, you, you don't have a whole lot of options here. And the fact that we're doing it, the fact that we're having the same problem with two different chassis makes us think that it is more of a tube issue. Unless you have two, like, like maybe you have two of the same version K4900 that both have the wrong cap in C308. You could have something like that. But that seems rare compared to maybe having a tube issue. And so it is, it is possible that the yoke is having an issue the tube itself is having an issue and you may just need to replace the tube dan and so that's one of the things that i added on the end is try both those chassis on a different tube and see if they work well tim do you have anything to add besides what michael uh, gave us here no i think michael uh i honestly i've never even seen that issue with two different ones that's why we gave it to him exactly uh, <laughs> exactly that's why michael got it heard of that <laughs> earlier statement Exactly. So, uh, sorry, Michael, you get the tough ones. I know he's watching, so uh, even if it's after the fact. But, uh, yeah, that was a tough one. And like I said, we've exchanged some emails um, after he sent me this, Tim, and he's, it's still bugging him. Uh, Michael is the kind of guy that he will continue to think about this until they, until he figures out what's going on. So, Dan, if you have any updates or if you figure out how to fix this, please let us know so poor Michael can get some sleep. So, <laughs> because um, I do think he's probably working on it in his head. Like he, He'll probably wake up at, like, 4 a.m. and have the answer, Tim, um, I'd imagine. Okay. So. And so, but Dan, hopefully answers your question. And like I say, just keep us updated. Try some of the things that Michael mentioned and see how that goes from there. And if you do end up fixing it, please let us know so we can not only relay that to Michael, but also share it with the rest of our audience. So, okay, Tim, let's see what we got here next. And people in the in the live chat were saying yoke. Very possible it could be a yoke issue here and you may just need to, I wouldn't say, um, they're saying the yoke could be twisted. I guess it's possible you could try kind of, a, you know, physically adjusting the yoke to see if it makes a difference in it. Uh, that may be something. Of course, you're going to do that. Be careful. But, um, but it may be worth a shot, especially if you've exhausted all your other options. So, Okay, Tim. Well, we move from one Michael to another. So here is another Michael, but this one has a question instead of giving us an answer. Good afternoon. I have a Pac-Man cocktail arcade. It worked fine up until last night. It sat overnight under a blanket in the middle of middle bed of my truck. Temperatures were 45 degrees, and now the monitor won't come on. Any ideas what's going on with it? Now, Tim, if you didn't guess, this is where we got the title for this month's live show, Putting the Pac-Man to Bed. So yeah. this is what Michael did, is he put his Pac-Man to bed, his truck bed, with a blanket on top, tucked it in real nice, Tim, but it got a little cold, and so now he won't come on at all. So what happened to Michael's... Uh, Pac-Man cocktail cabinet. Did he just not tuck it in enough, Tim? Did he need more blankets on top? I don't know. What do you think? Well, I know he's not in Texas because we haven't seen 45 degrees since about February. <laughs> um, so, um, but, yeah, I mean, it sounds like he did everything okay. The fact that he probably, he said in a tailgate, 
or in a truck bed, which means he moved it. Right. That probably is more of the problem. As we said, every time you move a game, they're going to break, right? Right. Uh, it seems that way. You just move them from one side to another, and you're having an issue. Probably, it's a, I'm hoping it's a simple fix. Uh, more likely, his neck board had come loose or a connect back connector or something. So start off by checking all the wiring to the cabinet, make sure everything is connected properly. Now, it is also, uh, too, that the interlock switches could be all, are shuffled around or not engaged or the door's not shut. Um, that could be part of the problem, but um, even just, I doubt the weather hurt it that much, that kind of temperature. Now, it was negative 45, um, you know, and he didn't have enough blankets on there or something I can understand. It. 45 degrees with a blanket around it shouldn't affect that kind of effect at all. I think it's more from the moving of the game. Uh, of course, he could have a cold or broken solder joint. You just need to touch all that up. We've talked about that before, but my guess is that something probably came loose in the moving of the game. I just recently moved a couple cocktails in my truck and I can tell you, those things are getting heavier the older I get. And uh, my truck bed is pretty high, so we, you know, getting them out, on and off of there, we did quite a bit of shaking and uh, of everything of the cocktails that we picked up. I definitely had to check some of my wiring. Absolutely. I mean, anytime you move games, Tim, we we know. I mean, if you move them, it's, it's you know, things come unplugged, things happen. And so, um, and Tim, I think the fact that um, it was 45 degrees, that's not necessarily cold, but it is cool, um, can, can maybe mess with some solder joints and connectors a bit. And so um, the fact that it was a little cooler, you know, there may have been a solder joint that was making a good connection in the warmer weather. And then all of a sudden when it got a little colder, um, that solder joint cracked just enough to maybe miss the connection. And so um, I think that's a great, uh, you know, another great place to look. So Tim, let's go ahead and show the slide here and get some stuff here from Michael. The fact that the monitor was working one day and stopped the next makes us think that's probably a simple fix. Start off this repair by checking the wiring in the cabinet to make sure everything is connected properly. Check the fuses and the interlock switches and that the monitor is getting the correct voltage. And Tim, I put a picture of an interlock switch here on the outline because I I don't know how many times we've seen interlock switches. Like It's like we can't get the game to come on, it was coming on fine, and then boom, it was an interlock switch that was not pulled or something to that effect. Um, the asteroids I got that I was talking about earlier from Dairy Queen, Tim, had kind of a faulty interlock switch on it that somebody had screwed to where it was always pushed in, but every so often it would kind of jostle loose. And so, you know, you have stuff like that, Tim, in a lot of cabinets. So make sure you check your interlock switch switches and that they're either depressed or pulled out and that they're, you know, and that electricity is flowing through them. Very important. So, uh, and then if all that checks out, then the problem could be with like a monitor chassis. Um, you know, we wouldn't be surprised to find some cracked, cold and or broken solder joints on the monitor chassis, considering how cold the temperature was when you left it outside. So take your chassis out, touch up the solder joints as needed. Uh, check all your voltages, Tim, like we mentioned, connections, voltages, and all that kind of stuff. And Tim, I think if he does all that, he'll probably be in good shape. I'm sure one of those things will probably get it working. Right. So uh, any other things for Michael here before we move on? And Tim, I have a picture here. Um, I don't know if everybody can see it, but it actually shows some cracked solder joints on, uh, on that little circuit board there. But anything else here, Tim, for Michael before we move on? No, I think we're good there. Sounds good. So, Michael, hopefully that answers your question. And like we just said, just check some wiring in there. Uh, check some uh, solder joints if the wiring and the voltages and everything check out. And uh, let us know how it goes from there and if you have any more issues with your co cocktail.
Okay, Tim, we have a question in the live chat from Joe Flores. He says, Stern's Berserk original Bat-style joysticks. Was that a bad design joystick? What do you think? What game? Berserk. Berserk? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I like them okay. I, you just, it's kind of whatever you're used to. Right. Um, you know, we saw a uh, world record being broke on one one time, and he didn't, didn't ever complain about them. So. That's true. Yeah, for, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that, so. They don't bother me, but um, I, you know I'm open to uh, other people's opinions on that. But I, they seem to hold up pretty good. Yeah, I think they're pretty sensitive though to dust and dirt, if I remember correctly. And so, like, it wouldn't take much to you know for them to stop working. That was pretty much the biggest issue with them. But when they were working, they work well. I think that's the biggest thing. So, um, Tim, we also yeah we, uh, we also have one from Seahorses at Night. Or all night. And he says, I have a RoboCop problem. When RoboCop shoots a criminal, children come out of their mom's basements and try to burn my house down. Okay. Obviously, I think that's a little bit of a joke there, Tim. Okay. <laughs> so, there you go. But uh, anyway, I, um, you know, hey, we like the comedy too, right, Tim? Yeah. So, there you go. It took me a second to get it, though. Yeah, exactly. You gotta get to the point quickly, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Okay, Tim, I think we are... Oh, um, somebody says, or Andre says, um, Monroe Joystick is the GOAT. So, I like Monroe Joysticks. I always think of Gyrus, right? Yeah. So, uh, let's see. Let's see here. Okay, I think we're caught up. We're caught up. Good. So, I'm going to go ahead and move on with the outline here. And, Tim, we have a question from John. And John says, Hello, gentlemen. I am currently restoring a Street Fighter II cabinet and decided to buy a new marquee light from Twisted Quarter. However, the connection was different. So I decided to splice the new fixture with the old connector. The old connector has two white wires and one black. The new fixture has one black and one red. I feel I've wired almost every way and it still manages to pop a breaker in my house. I've included a few pictures. Thank you so much, John. So Tim, here's some pictures of the connectors that John was talking about here. So, um, and as you can see, he's got the, th the, the, um, the two wires and then he's got the three pin connector that he's got. So he thinks he's wired it every which way, but he just can't figure out exactly how it's supposed to go. So what advice do you have for John as far as getting this marquee light hooked up in a Street Fighter 2 game? Well, I went to twistedquarter.com and it looks like he doesn't say, but I would almost bet what he bought was an LED light that only uses 5 or 12 volts. And what's happening is he, no matter how he's hooked it up, right, he's running a 120 volt AC to a 5 volt light. It's getting a lot of feedback and coming back and um, popping, blowing a breaker. Um, that is my guess. Uh, the fact the color wires too, and you only have two of them. I think that it's a, either a 12 volt or a 5 volt LED light DC voltage compared to the 120, like it's coming out of there. So he really needs to just run separate wires uh, to his power supply and the correct voltage up there. It I would be surprised if there wasn't some kind of schematic or something. If it is a DC light, it should tell you that on there somewhere on the bulbs or um, I just put an LED light inside of a game marquee. It looks so much better. Uh, and it did run on 120, but it had its own little uh, transformer. It actually had a plug, so I knew it was 120 because it plugged in the wall. But you got to be careful. A lot of these doesn't take that much voltage to run one, uh, especially the LED lights. So 
that's my guess. Uh, other than that, I, he's got a problem somewhere else, uh, I would think. Uh, it's not just as light. Yeah, I, and I think you're right, Tim. Voltage is a is a key thing to check here. So John needs to make sure that the voltage coming from his power supply matches the voltage of the of the light. That's basically what you're saying. I mean, so if you ordered a DC marquee light and he's getting AC voltage, it's not going to work no matter what he does, correct? Yeah. As far as that goes. Now, he could hook up the those lines maybe to the switching power supply and send the voltage up that way if he wanted to. And so he could do that. But, um, but he needs to double check and make sure that the voltage that's going to... His marquee light is the correct voltage for that light that he ordered from Twisted Quarter. That's, and Tim, like you said, it shouldn't be hard because, I mean, even if even if you're just hooking up things, you know, randomly like he was, I mean, it's either, it's going to work in some combination. You only have so many wires. And the fact that he keeps kind of uh, breaking a um, or, or tripping a breaker every time he hooks it up makes us think that he's probably got the wrong voltage for, for the input voltage he's getting, correct? Yeah, I'd almost guarantee it. There we that go. Color wires, and after looking at their sites, that's what they sell a 12 volt light. Okay, so there you go. So let's go ahead and um, show this real quick here. And so start off this repair by making sure that the wires coming from the cabinet power supply are sending the correct voltage for your marquee light. Most marquee lights run off of standard AC voltage, 120 volts, but some do use DC voltage. Um, most 12 volts DC, but sometimes 5 volts DC. And we usually include a power brick. Remember, don't trust the wire color, trust your meter, right, Tim? Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but uh, if the vol voltage is incorrect, you will need to relocate the marquee light wires to a different part of your power supply. For example, you may need to move the wires uh, from the AC distribution block to the 12 volt DC and ground prongs on your switching power supply. So Tim, even if it's a DC voltage light that he ordered, he's not necessarily out of luck here. He could still swap those wires to, to, um, to the power supply instead of going to the, uh, or to the switching power supply instead of coming straight from the AC distribution block if you wanted to. And then he should get the correct voltage up to his marquee light, correct? Correct. So there you go. So um, anyway, so John, hopefully that answers your question. Again, let's just check those voltages, make sure that they're correct. And then from there, we'll, um, you know, we'll send the correct voltage for the light that you need. And like I said, so if it's a DC light, make sure that you're sending DC voltage up to it. So hopefully that answers your question and good luck with your repair. Okay, Tim, we just got $20 from Delusional's Arcade. Thank you, Delusional. We appreciate it. He says, keep up the good work, guys. Stay safe out there and remember to pay it forward. Absolutely. So, uh, Tim, we can, we, try to, we try our best to pay it forward always. And, Tim, you know, uh, during this hard time, we support a lot of arcades with some of the extra funds that we've gotten and things like that as well. So, um, you know, Tim, there's still a lot of arcades out there hurting. So if you have the means to, make sure that you're, you know, ordering products or, or services or things from your local arcade places. Uh, Tim, they still need a lot of help. There's still a lot of them that are shut down. Yeah. So, and then let's see what else we got here. Wasteland Warrior says, I ordered a spare Dragon Slayer 2 PCB that will play on a track screen and then freeze up. What would cause that? Tim, I will confess I am not a big Laserdisc repair guy. Um, do you have any experience with Dragon's Layer 2 and why it would freeze up on the attract mode? Perhaps it's having problems getting the data from, uh, from the Laserdisc? Yeah, more than likely he's having a Laserdisc issue with it. So there you go. So, um, uh, but uh, yeah, that's the only thing that I can think of is maybe an access on the Laserdisc, but... Uh, um, you know, um, he said, I just, uh, let's see, is that the same one? No, that's different. So, uh, yeah, that's the only thing I can think of too, is there's something wrong with the interface between the laser disc and the PCB itself. 
Uh, and Tim, again, I am not familiar enough with that game to know for sure what that would be. But um, but there may be something in the interfacing between those two that's having an issue. If, it, if It's a spare one, so I assume he's got another one that's working. So obviously there's something in the communication line on that PCB that's probably causing the issue. And so, you know, you could try to put a monitor between the Laserdisc and the um, PCB to see, you know, if the data is the same coming through both. But it does sound like more of a communication issue with the Laserdisc than anything. So uh, let's see what else we got. Andres uh, says, I just did a recap and replaced a flyback on a K7000. Picture looks crisp, but very dim dark. Adjusting all the pots and cranking the flyback up does not fix the issue. Do I need a rejuvenation? Yeah, probably so if, uh, if you don't have your flyback's not going out. There you go. So uh, somebody says, uh, um, YouTube Punk says RIP Grinkers, which I guess is an arcade maybe that, that they went to, Tim. It sounds like they may have gone under. Guys, there's a lot of arcades that are, are have not made it and are not going to make it just because of all the shutdown orders. And so, uh, you know, we just want to, you know, like I said, support them in any way that you can. Try to keep them around because otherwise you won't have a cool arcade to go to when all this stuff lets up. So, okay, I think, are we caught up? Okay, looks like we're caught up, Tim. So let us continue on. Now, Tim, it looks like we're at the end of our questions here. So we've got our rapid fire YouTube questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so here are the three that we have for this month. Manuel says, my Miss Pac-Man, or my Pac-Man is not working. The screen is glitching. I need help. Scanline City says, does, does the flyback replacement need to be specific to the monitor chassis? And uh, Burmy Game says, where can I buy some white potentiometers? I tried to find and can't find the name or where to buy them. The only normal ones I can find are blue in color. So, Tim, we got three here. We have Manuel, who's having issues with his Pac-Man. Scanline City, who wonders... If the flyback has to match the chassis, and Burmy Games, who wants to buy some white potentiometers instead of the blue ones that are pretty much everywhere now, it seems like. So, Tim, let's start with Manuel here. He's got a Pac-Man. It's glitching on the screen. What can he do to fix this issue? Well, he can do what we do. We go to the troubleshooting Pac-Man uh, page on Mike's Arcade, and uh, he shows some pictures and stuff, and uh, tell him what uh, one to replace. Um, I also have been seeing some ads on YouTube, I mean on eBay for people that are doing repairs for $69 or $75. Um, you almost can't beat that. And we got some people on our page that do those. But if he wants to try it himself, he can go to Mike's Arcade and look at their Pac-Man Trouble his trouble guides and stuff and look at those pictures and i'll go ahead and throw out a plug for lawnmower man's page as well tim which is i think on the rothy blog site but that also has a lot of great pac-man repair information i put both links below in the show notes so i think most of his on there uh credits it to that yeah so now tim we also had scanline city he's wondering if the flyback has to match the chassis or if he can just use any flyback no, it has to match. It has to match, that's right. Um, and then Burmy Games wonders, can where are all the white potentiometers? Where did they go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but the color really doesn't matter, as long as the value is the same. Uh, exactly. And you see, so, I mean, that's the thing. And Tim, it seems like even on new control boards and things, we see more of the blue than we do the white now. By yeah, far. And I think, you know, it actually makes it easier to see for me. Me too. I like the blue ones. Exactly. Better. I understand if you have a matching issue. But, Tim, that's why we used to keep around junk chassis, right? So All you right. could always just pull one from a junk chassis and then you've got matching. But, I mean, it, in the scheme of things, it doesn't matter. As long as the value of the pot's the same, it doesn't matter what color it is, right? No. Nope. So there you go. 
So let us go ahead and continue here to summarize everything that Tim said. Uh, Manuel, what does the glitching look like? You can check out the pictures on the Pac-Man troubleshooting page on Mike's Arcade, like Tim mentioned, and we have the links down below in the show notes for you to check that out. Scanline City, yes, the flyback has to match the make and model of your chassis if you intend you intend to install it on. Make sure you identify the chassis before you order. And then Burmy Games, doesn't matter what the physical color of the pot is as long as the value of it is the same as the one you are replacing, right? Wow. So there you go. So pretty rapid fire there, Tim. I like the blue ones, like I mentioned. I would rather have a blue one. I think you can see it easier. So, But it's just me, maybe. I don't know. You said it too, though, right? Yeah, I do like the blue ones. There you go. So, okay. Well, sounds good, Tim. I think we're done with the questions as far as our outline is concerned for this month. Now, Tim, we have a tech tip, kind of a tech, tech tip. Basically, you're going to tell us about something you worked on and have now completed. And uh, Tim, how long did it take you to build this? I'm just curious. Uh, a little over a month, okay. probably working one or two, uh, three or four hours a week. Okay, well, I'm, so, I'm going to go ahead and oh, throw up the um, the pictures yeah. of it here, so you can tell everybody about it. I'm just going to leave them up while you talk. So, yeah, we actually had a guy approach us, and um, he had seen it somewhere before. Uh, we're not the only person that's ever done this, but he wanted a refrigerator put inside of a multi of a multi-case and uh, that's what we did we took the coin box out um, we ripped all the guts out and uh, started over and we put a refrigerator down inside of there um, the number one question that we get asked uh, is where are the cup holders um, <laughs> which cup holders are dime a dozen you can screw two in there but the next time I build one I'm already looked at uh, having some cup holders so we thought that it turned out pretty good. Um, you might notice the front, we used um, uh, that kind of um, plastic type rough board and we cut it and around there and just kind of hid some of the artwork. He actually wanted it plain and black like that. Some of this was his request. Um, didn't want a marquee overlay, I mean a control panel overlay on it. But I kind of liked it, it gave it a different kind of a definitely a guy kind of game feel and um but the main thing was I, I really i thought it came out okay but when we took it he was so ecstatic he posted pictures on facebook and he is a the head salesman at a big car dealership here so he told us i'm going to sell some more of these things for you guys i think they're awesome and uh we've already started working on uh from scratch uh, building the cabinet and everything, a, a, a cocktail cabinet that will have a refrigerator in it and cup holders that you uh, hit and kind of pull out like a car. Uh, you pull them out and they'll have cup holders there. Um, just kind of a twist to uh, the games that uh, we've been doing. Uh, different people have different wants and needs. And this thing, I liked it, to be honest. I got to use it for a couple weeks. Uh, that's actually some of my beverages down in the bottom right corner. And I really got them cold. And it was nice to sit there and play the game and take a drink and have the refrigerator right there. Uh, anyway, I'd like to maybe get some of you guys' opinions. Um, one thing that I want to do is possibly get some arcade lettering that kind of looks icy. Um, maybe anybody that's good at doing that type of artwork. Um, has the time they should contact me because um, we're probably going to build several of these it looks like and the cocktail one I think is really going to be neat 
Uh, again, no cabinets harmed in, in the making of that. Uh, we're, we're building them all from scratch and, uh, you know, we pick the wood out of Home Depot and stuff, MDF, and make ours. So uh, we're not going to destroy any games. We're just going to build some uh, unique ones like this one like to get your guys opinion so seahorses all night says awesome build my pac-man has a snow cone machine in it <laughs> oh, <that's cool. laughs> so um youtube funk says can tim install pac-man into my french door fridge <laughs> i probably could do yeah, that <laughs> so, um i think you could too so i think it looks really good and uh, tim you know you mentioned that you you, you used it for a while you know um, you got to fix the game and play the game right or right. build the game and play the game in this particular instance so yeah, I mean, you know, you gotta text, you gotta test to make sure the refrigerator's working. If it ain't getting things cold, it's not worth it, right? No, it, it worked out really good. Yeah, works. Good. Looks great. Real Looks really nice, and I, I think you guys did a good job on it. Uh, standard sixty and one with an LCD monitor in there, right? Yes, LCD from Holland Computers. Uh, most of the controls came from Holland Computers. Uh, I think we got the um, control panel from Twisted Quarter. Uh, I can't remember who we got the artwork from. I think my friend Mike picked that up. Um, so, and I will say this, that we like that front panel a lot. To the, One of the cocktails, we're not going to paint it. We're actually going to have it sprayed on bed liner like a truck. Uh, the next one's going to have a lot of chrome and some, uh, some uh, stainless steel and stuff. And it's going to uh, have that rugged truck truck bed spray liner on it we're going to see how that comes out really give it a guy's toolbox kind of feel sounds good well i think it looks great tim and i don't know how much he paid for it but i'm sure you gave him a good deal so yeah this was a prototype i think the next one i have to charge a little bit more it was a lot this one converting was tough uh, building from scratch should be a little easier. Absolutely. So, well, Tim is a cool uh, project, and I think it gives some people just an idea of, uh, you know, some other things you can do with your arcade cabinet besides just play the game, right? right. Yeah, play the game and uh, cold drinks too. So, I still, I, I right. still say you should, you need to, you need to build one with a tap in it, so I can hook up my keg. Okay. I'm just saying. So. <laughs> There we go. So anyway, but uh, cool build, guys. Good, uh, good job, Tim, uh, on that. And uh, you know, we look forward to looking at some other projects very soon. So uh, it looks like we have a question from Micah here, Tim. He says, "I've just bought a Super Sprint arcade machine. Everything works, but the monitor is washed out and the red is missing. Any ideas for fixing, guys? Thanks." Uh, now, Tim, a lot of times when the screen looks washed out, if you're missing a color, that can make it look washed out. Correct? Right. So, yeah, it could be the red drive, um, the pot, could be the transistor uh, near, that's associated with that, um, could be a red drive, I mean, red gun on your tube is having a short, um, but, or just a, the red wire coming from your game board could not be plugged in good or making a good contact or cold solder joint there. But yeah, when you're not when you're missing a color, it really is going to make it look kind of washed out a lot of times. Yeah, and we have our video on checking a, a tube, Tim checking a monitor tube that uh, Micah should probably check out. That actually talks about um, the color drive transistors. But it could also be that your red wire from your game board is not making a good connection to the chassis, Tim. How many times have we seen that? Well, a lot. For some reason, usually the red one. Exactly. So um, you may just look at the input wiring as well coming from your game board. Make sure that's making a good connection to the input pins and make sure those pins are uh, have a good solder connection because those uh, solder connections tend, tend to crack more than any other solder connection on a monitor chassis. So. 
Andre says, how about a tapper with a tap in it? I'd love that. I love tapper. Uh, yeah, that would be perfect. Tapper's a great game. They're too expensive for me to buy one. That's the problem. So, Okay, Tim. Well, let, we're getting to the discussion portion of the show tonight. And, Tim, we're, we've got kind of a um, – our arcade discussion for tonight kind of centers around something that came up this over the past month. And so let's go ahead and show some of these stories here, Tim. And uh, this is from Reason.com. And are video arcades more dangerous than casinos during a pandemic? And so casinos and video arcades pose similar risk of COVID-19 transmission. Yet in Massachusetts, casinos have remained or have been open for two months while video arcades remain closed. Like many of the distinctions drawn by the COVID-19 lockdowns, this one makes no medical sense. A federal lawsuit filed by BitBar, a Salem arcade and restaurant, argues that uh, Governor Baker's discrimination against video arcades is unconstitutional because it is scientifically indefensible. Okay, and so that was the first story that we posted, Tim. So, um, but the second part of that was that shortly after that lawsuit came about, there was an update saying that arcades can reopen in Massachusetts next week. And so Governor Baker has signed an executive order to allow arcades, and Tim, this is from Boston.com, to allow arcades to reopen. Baker said that after looking at the surrounding states that had successfully reopened arcades, he determined that Massachusetts would be able to do the same based on the residents doing their part to prevent the spread of COVID-19. The announcement came just one week after BitBar, a Salem Arcade and Restaurant, filed a lawsuit against Baker, arguing that the governor was violating its First and Fourteenth Amendment rights. So, Tim, here's the deal. So here's our discussion part. Why have so many states allowed casinos to open back, but have kept arcades closed? And Tim, Massachusetts is a great example of that. Obviously, they have now kind of switched positions on this. But, Tim, why do casinos get to open and arcades don't? Would you like to lay that out for our audience real quick? Well, it's real simple. It's called politics, John. And I think that if it had been 1985 or 83 or 82, 81, it would have been the opposite. The arcades would have all been open. Uh, they would have had lobbyists and people. Uh, there's just not as much money in arcades as there is in casinos right now. And that's where the money talks. You see, though, as soon as they threaten a lawsuit, what big surprise, you know, all of a sudden they're going to change their tune. But it's really no different. What's the difference in um, sitting in a restaurant going to Walmart, you know? How did Walmart, uh, you're allowed to go in there, and, you know, before we even knew what social distancing were, it was, it was crazy busy in there, and they weren't, didn't have to shut down. Why? Well, they pay a lot of taxes, and they got a lot of lobbying. So, um I'm glad though that they were able to, but it did. It really did seem unfair in general. Um, it, even the bars and stuff, the barcades and stuff, they're still struggling here, even here in Texas. Um, I just don't know how you can say, well, one place is safe and another place is is unsafe. You know. Exactly. I mean, especially uh, when they both involve pretty much touching things that have a very specific style of coin-operated amusement, right? I mean, casinos are still coin-operated a lot of times, even if they're, like I said, even if they're, um, even if they pay you back, whereas arcades don't. But Tim, what it really comes down to, you said politics, it comes down to money. Casinos have yeah, money, but- and money talks. So, you know, money, casinos pay politicians, casinos pay lots in taxes, casinos generate a lot of revenue for the state, and because they do... Guess what? They get to open. And so arcades, though, were being discriminated against, I believe, unfairly, because 
they did not have that kind of they do not generate that kind of revenue for the state and therefore they were not allowed to open and i really do think that they were being discriminated against in this in the massachusetts case as well as in any state where there's casinos open but arcades aren't allowed to open and so hopefully all of the states where casinos are open they're going to allow arcades to open as well especially after this and i will say good on bitbar for bringing that lawsuit because tim i do think that uh, it was it was very um, good on their part because otherwise they would have probably had to continue to stay closed. Okay. So and that's really rough. So um, you know it just Tim, I, it's this COVID thing is so crazy, right? I mean, just like in all of the regulations and things and how all that stuff worked. I mean, because there for a while, like we had family entertainment centers were open, but they couldn't open the arcade portions here in Texas. Remember that? I do, and that didn't make any sense at exactly. all. Exactly. So I mean, it's just there's there's so many things that are just kind of weird and wacky and i don't know where everybody is tonight but there are a lot of states tend that are not open at all still so yeah that's almost hard to believe we're 75 percent in our restaurant now we don't even have signs up anymore uh, a lot of people wear masks or they don't wear masks we don't police it or ask them anymore uh to wear one um at some point um, you know either we're all going to die or we're all going to move on i don't know which one it is right now <laughs> I don't, I don't uh, belittle that there are severe cases and that there is COVID, I, I believe, is real. But same thing. just like my doctor called me, Johnny said, um, you need, we need to schedule your flu shot. And I said, well, I won't need one this year. He said, why? I said, because I've been wearing my mask every day. Uh, I should have catch the flu, right? He said, well, that doesn't guarantee that you're not going to catch it. And I said, well, then why am I wearing it? Because it's irritating. <laughs> So I don't know. The debate will probably go on uh, for a while, um, and I really don't know the answer either. We're not doctors; we don't know, but we do know that it's hurt our industry horribly. And uh, I don't know if the big guys are struggling and may not recover. I, I can't imagine what it's doing to some of those smaller guys. And you know, Tim, there's been reports that Dave and Buster's may have to file bankruptcy. I don't know if you've heard that. But um, there's been some talk about that. I will say this, though. They're not going down without a fight, Tim. I don't know if you've checked their social media accounts out lately, but they have been uh, upping the game. They're like, we are not going down without a fight. I want to applaud them on that, especially as a stockholder. I want to applaud them on that. So, um, uh, And as a bag holder, I guess, right now. <laughs> but um, but um, still, I do. I mean, hopefully they can make it. But like you said, Chuck E. Cheese, Dave & Buster's are struggling. What chance do mom and pop shops have against this? Right. And Disney laid off uh, 28,000 employees also. So I don't think we've seen the full economic um, consequences from all of this, even if everything was open tomorrow. Um, I can know the numbers that Chucky and Gaddy's and people like that are doing compared to last year. And when I was a business owner, John, we did more than that and we struggled. Right. So I don't know how they how they can make. Like, well, I mean, I, I know that a lot of businesses are leaning heavily on these PPP loans, and Tim, and and in hindsight, it really does seem like you should have gotten one. I mean, regardless of whether or not you needed it, because I think this thing has gone on a little bit longer than some than some would have guessed, and so that money has hopefully kept a lot of businesses afloat. But I don't know how long that money's going to last, Tim, and who knows if they're going to have to pay that money back, which is another issue as well. Or, or if they even can financially pay it. Back. Exactly. So, I mean, it's going to be, there's just so many financial unknowns at this point, Tim, which uh, makes the stock market kind of hard to play sometimes. But, um, you know, there's always, I mean, there's, I think there's always going to be, um, you know, just 
there's always going to be arcades. The question is, which ones are going to survive this? Are some going to come out stronger? Are some going to die off? And then once we get back to normal where there'll be new companies created, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to look because it just seems, it seems like we're still a long ways off from back to normal. I think so. So, Let me go over to the live chat though real quick, Tim. And we have um, Seahorses All Night says, I'm going to the arcade, no COVID yet. So he's going, he's okay. Um, let's see. Regzer Show says, our arcade has been open for a while. The Pinball Hall of Fame in Vegas, and they just shut, shut off every other machine. So you get the correct spacing. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Micah says, just take me back to the 1980s. Aladdin's Castle, and I'll be happy. That's always good. Um, oh, he said, uh, YouTube Punk says, the wrong people got those PPP loans. A uh, bunch of cronies who don't need it. I, I mean, here's the deal. That's true. In some cases, Tim, but I know some businesses that really, really needed it. You know, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't just cronies who got that YouTube punk. And I know it's easy to look at it and say, well, all these people just ripped off the system. But there were some businesses, Tim, I personally know business owners who got those loans and that desperately needed it. My across-the-street neighbor, Tim, is a dentist. And, you yeah. know, he was suffering there for months because he couldn't see patients. He got one of the PPP loans, um, and it kept him from obviously, you know, having to do lay off more people than he thought he'd have to. Um, uh, one of uh, uh, the kids, the schools that my kids attend, um, they got a PPP loan so they could continue to keep their teachers employed while um, they weren't at school, basically, while they were doing virtual learning and stuff like that. Because a lot of people um, the uh, in April and May, um, and this is a, um, a pre-K school, Tim, but a lot of people in well, April and May stopped paying because their kids weren't going. And so, well, they still had to pay teachers, even though your kid's not going, you know? And so those PPP loans went to those teachers who desperately needed it. And so, uh, YouTube Punk, I know there's a lot of people uh, who got them who did not deserve them, but I do think there were a lot of businesses who got them who truly did deserve them. So, I mean, but Tim, anytime you've got people handing out free money, there's going to be people who take advantage of it, right? Okay. And it just is what it is. You can't get around that. So, but I do, I want to believe that for every person who took advantage of it, who didn't need it, there were at least, you know, three to four more who actually needed it. So, and Tim, that's totally off off topic, except for the fact that I wouldn't be surprised if Dave and Buster's and Chuck E. Cheese got those loans, Tim, because it does seem like they needed it. Yeah. So, and you know, you mentioned Mr. Gaddy's obviously too, but I mean, Mr. Gaddy's is a franchise, Tim. So that's a small business. I mean, people, I mean, even though from the outside looking in, it may look like a big business. It's really a mom and pop shop, right? Right. So that's something you have to remember. So just because it's a name you recognize, like Mr. Gaddy's, for instance, doesn't necessarily mean that it's this big corporation that can weather that storm. Because when you're a franchisee, Tim, you really are a small business person. Yeah. Just like Dairy Queen could have a one store franchise too. Right. So, I mean, it, you know, so just because you recognize the name on the building or it's a, you think it's a big corporation doesn't necessarily mean that that's a big corporation. And it could still be a mom and pop shop behind the scenes, especially for franchisees. So, but just, uh, just, it's tough, guys. And if you can do anything at all, to, like we mentioned earlier, Tim, to support the arcades around you. And um, I saw that YouTube Punk mentioned that the arcade around him closed because the landlord would not negotiate. And guys, I know that's tough sounding like, man, landlords just suck, right? But here's the deal. Landlords have to live too. And they depend on the income that's coming from their, you know, their rent in order to live. And so sometimes they don't have the luxury of not being able to charge people for rent. And I know that's tough, Tim, but it's kind of life too, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you all landlords are great, uh, but, you know, a lot of landlords do depend on that rent in order to survive. And so if they're if you're not making money and they're not getting paid, then they're not 
you know, they can't eat and you can't eat and it's just, it's tough for everybody and they may have to kick people out in order to, in order to find a tenant who can pay so that they can continue to, to live, you know, to food, to eat and to live too. So, but it's tough. It's just tough all the way around, Tim. And so, um, you know, just thoughts and prayers going out to all of the arcade owners out there and arcade companies that are still trying to weather this storm because Tim, I don't even think we're, it doesn't look like we're getting back to normal anytime soon. And as long as, until we do, I just don't know how the entertainment side of the arcade business is going to survive. So, any other thoughts, Tim, before we move on? No, I'm, I'm good. Okay. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, I'm just looking in the thing. Uh, YouTube Punk says he always wears a mask. We highly encourage mask wearing, Tim. You and me wear them uh, whenever I'm out and about. When I'm at work... Um, I'm in an office with only about four other people and we all have our own individual offices. So I do not wear a mask until I go into another part of uh, another building at, at my work. And then I'll wear a mask to whatever other part I'm going to. It's kind of my thing. If I'm out and about, if I'm going to, you know, any other stores or anything, I'm going to have my mask on pretty much, you know, all the time. Uh, but we do highly encourage people to wear masks wherever they're going. Uh, let's see. Um, YouTube Punk says, right, but they were legit. Um, but, but more mom and pop should have gotten those loans. I agree. And Tim, I think the second wave of loans helped out a lot of people who couldn't get in on the first wave. A lot of people don't realize there were the two waves of loans that went out. And so uh, I know people who got in on both. And so there were some business owners that the money ran out before they could get it, uh, go get it the first time. And they were able to reapply the second time and get it. Uh, Tim, we mentioned, um, I think the Game Preserve may have gotten one of those. I'm not for sure. I'm not gonna, Don't quote me on that. But I think that they may have gotten one as well. But Tim, it's just, it's tough because, I mean... They, they, a lot of these arcades just don't have money coming in. And so those PPP loans, I mean, a lot of people who didn't take them may now be regretting that because they still don't have the income. They're still not back to where they were before and not even close. So, Okay. Uh, and YouTube Punk says, I miss my Aladdin's castle. Don't we all, Tim? So, <laughs> don't we all? So, And on that note, Tim, why not just build an Aladdin's castle in your house? And uh, Tim, I don't know if you saw, but ICE is coming out with their own home-focused arcade product line now probably to compete or in combination with Arcade 1-Up, since Arcade 1-Ups have been so successful, right? Yeah. So let's go ahead and show this. Now, Tim, of course, you know ICE. You're very intimately involved with ICE in the past but through their games. Uh, name some of the games that people may be familiar with that uh, ICE makes. Um, Cyclone would be one of their games. Uh, NBA Hoops. Um, let's see. Iceball, uh, right? Yeah, uh, like Iceball. Uh, of course, they they it's a diff, their version of Ski Ball. Um, this is a separate company, but um, gosh, there's a lot of ice games. I'm looking. Just they a lot of they make the Super Checks game. A lot of people bubble like. hockey. Yeah, the bubble hockey one. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think of some of their more popular games. They make a lot of soccer games and stuff. They 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 make a lot. You go to Chuck E. Cheese, probably a 25% of their games are ICE. There you go. So let's talk about ICE, Tim. And ICE is launching a new home-focused arcade product line called Arcade Pro, Tim. And this is from our friends at Arcade Heroes, Adam specifically, and so I want to give him credit for this. But taking a page from Arcade 1-Up, ICE is launching a new lineup of arcade pieces just for the home. These are smaller, non-coin versions of existing games that will be perfect for, the, for a man cave or game room. Per an image on their new website, homearcadegames.com, they will be offering some ICE staples, such as Superchex Pro, a home version of Collegiate uh, Collegiate hoops, and a home version of their Ice Bowl 
Ice Ball Alley Bowler. The, the lineup is officially christened as Arcade Pro. Now, Tim, what do you think about ICE getting into the home market now? Well, you know, I like it because I thought of more games. Now, they have, they have a lot of sports games like the NBA Hoop, the two-minute drill with the football, the baseball strike zone, the one you actually throw the ball at. Uh, so a lot of those games would be, especially the miniature versions that they're making, I just went to their website. It looks like it's not up and going yet. So that was lucky to get these pictures. Whoever got those. Yeah, it was it was up uh, the other day when I went. It may they may have taken it down in order to put up a, uh, some more information. So yeah, I got some inside people there. I'll have to find out. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah, if you can get us some inside information, we're all about it. Um, and people just staying home and not going to the arcade. A way for them to you know can imagine that they're not selling any new games. Uh, Chuck E. Cheese is definitely not buying games, and I doubt Dave and Buster's is right now either. Some of the big arcades are, are, if you're not having, you can't open, you're not buying anything new. So again, that's hurting uh, our friends at ICE and other game manufacturers too. So that's just what they're trying to do to keep up with the time. You know, and it does seem like more people are buying home products. Tim, I think a lot of people did not go on vacation and instead bought pinball machines and arcade games instead. Um, I think we've seen an uptick in the home market um, just because of that. I think Arcade 1UP has had an uptick since all this stuff hit because, I mean, people still like the arcade experience even if they can't go to an arcade, right? I, do, I believe that's Yeah, true. so, I mean, and, and so, uh, Tim, it doesn't sound like ICE is is necessarily competing with Arcade 1-Up. It's more that they're selling maybe pieces that will complement an Arcade 1-Up setup, correct? Yes, or just targeting home game rooms, like why people are, are still staying at home. Exactly. So, um, But hopefully hopefully, um, we'll get the chance to see some of these things and uh, try them out, Tim. I'm kind of curious. And if you've got any inside information on it, please let us know. So. And Tim, this is a story I think that Louie posted about GameStop. So GameStop had said that they were going to close uh, 400 stores, I think, but now they're adding another 100 stores to that. And Tim, that seems odd considering that the the video game market has been way up since all the COVID-19 stuff hit. But for some reason, GameStop just can't get, I guess, their footing underneath them, even with the uptick in sales. So uh, it says... Well, sales are coming directly online. People are buying direct and downloading it they're not actually going to the store and buying a hard copy well like uh, but trying to find like a nintendo switch right now tim is is near impossible so i mean they're selling out quickly it seems like so i mean you'd think that gamestop being one of the premier providers for video game consoles would be in on that revenue so maybe not though like you said maybe it's more about online purchasing gamestop has a nice website though tim so you think that people would be going there but anyway gamestop is closing about a hundred more stores than it originally planned with the struggling retailer warning of more closures next year the company sent an earnings call that between 400 and 450 stores globally will close this year which is more than the 320 gamestop uh, gamestop stores originally said in march that it was planning to shutter gamestop chief financial officer jim bell said in the call that the closures will allow us more efficiently and profitably uh allow us to more efficiently and profitably service our customers. He added, there is there are more to do, meaning closures in 2021 as well. Tim, how much longer is GameStop going to be around? Because it doesn't sound like it's going to be much longer. There's not going to be very many of them around, that's for sure. I, I'm surprised they make it till the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to have more closures in 2021. Now, Tim, I do think that there is oversaturation in the GameStop market. I mean, just here. Tim, I don't feel like we're a really big town here, but I think we have three or four of them. 
So right. I mean, and that's uh, that just seems like a lot of game stores for for the size town that we are. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, you know, it's just it it seems like maybe they they tried that growth kind of like what Chuck E. Cheese tried to do, tried to grow their way out of their problems, and it just didn't work. So, but it's sad, Tim, because I have a lot of good memories of going to GameStop and and uh, you know picking up games and things. But I just like we mentioned, just don't know how much longer they're going to be around. So if you want to visit the GameStop, you may want to go soon. So there you go. Now, Tim, this was one of the stories that uh, had a lot of traction over the last month. And and just, golly, I mean, I don't know PR-wise how you could screw this up much worse. But uh, Deep Root Pinball delays launch of Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland. So, Tim, uh, Deep Root Pinball is a new pinball company. And they've uh, they've been touting this uh, Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland game for a while. And they've been meaning to reveal it for a while. And I think this was their third attempt at like a big grand reveal. And then with just hours to go before the grand presentation, they called off the reveal. Uh, Six U.S.-based internet bloggers, podcasters, and vloggers were invited to spearhead this launch alongside Deep Root Pinball's own social media team. Unfortunately, what they revealed was that the Raza game and the platform on which it was built were a long way from being ready, suffering reliability and design issues, along with a number of unfinished or incomplete elements. Now, Tim, like I said, this seems like a really big PR disaster. So my question to you is, um, let's say that you knew that you had already set up this presentation for this particular date and you already knew that your, that your platform was struggling and that the game didn't work properly. What would you have done in the, in the similar situation? Would you have called it off? Um, and why do you think that they set the reveal? Was this more of a thing like, we'll just set the deadline and hopefully we'll make it? What do you think? I think, though, I would I would not have um, called for it unless I knew for sure it was ready to go. Um, but, you know, I don't know all the circumstances and stuff. Maybe maybe they thought it was. It just hadn't had a... you got to have some uh, quarter time in those and see how they work for a while you know yeah and you know tim something i find and and this is coming from a software engineer that's what i do you know in my day job but things work a lot different when you're the guy who who did the software and you do it versus when somebody else does it because when you do it you know kind of what breaks it but somebody else they're just going to do it however they think it's supposed to work and they're going to find ways to break it and so it could have been when they brought in these these bloggers and podcasters and bloggers that they did not play it the way that they thought they were going to play it, and all of a sudden it started breaking everything. And so, rather than rather than getting that far, um, they just decide, ah, we'll 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 postpone it. But here's the thing, Tim. This was their third time at a reveal. I think what they need to do is is put that reveal way out in the future and say, you know, or even don't promise anything and just say we'll reveal it when we're ready to reveal it. I think because when you make a promise and then you don't deliver, I think that's worse. Than, than just saying we're going to deliver it at some point in the future. And so I think that's really where they screwed up here was by not by setting that hard deadline and then having to back off instead of just saying we'll reveal it when it's ready. Uh, Tim, I don't know if how familiar you are with Shigeru Miyamoto, the guy who does the Mario games, but that's basically his philosophy on game design. He's like, you can put a bad game out and a bad game is a bad game forever, but a, a postponed game is just a postponed game and can eventually become a good game. And so, you All see, right. that's the thing you always have to remember is that, you know, if you don't show anything... You know, then it just builds anticipation, in my opinion. And that way, when you do, when you are ready to show something, hopefully it'll be something that's good. So it's just, it's it's really, it's really rough. But uh, Seahorses All Night says, never launch with questionable hardware. Ask NASA. That's right. Oh, Tim, I watched a documentary, and I didn't even put that on the um, outline. We're going to have to talk about that. I watched the NASA documentary oh, on Challenger. And yeah. you watched it too, right? 
Yeah, I've watched a part of it. I've I've got tied up in another show. Okay, um, but <laughs> what do you think so far? Oh, it's very okay. Good. More about that in the after show. Challenger uh, documentary on on Netflix. Very good. We'll talk about that. But uh, yeah, so that kind of goes hand in hand with what Seahorses All Night is saying as well. So oh, YouTube Punk says the latest Windows update killed their pinball machine. It could be, could be, <laughs> uh, could be running on Windows. I hope they're not running a pinball machine. I actually, you know, if you ran a pinball machine on Windows IoT Internet of Things, you may. Yeah, that platform may work. I wouldn't recommend it, but you never know. So um, hopefully you got to watch out for those Windows updates, so they'll get you every time. So, And Tim, the last story that we have here in our um, discussion section kind of has to do with you and some of your history. Yeah. Chuck E. Cheese is getting his own movie and TV show, and I think Tim's saying about time, right? Yeah, about 10, 15 years too late. <laughs> well, t- okay. hey, they got to find revenue where they can find it now, Tim. So Chuck E. Cheese CEO uh, David McKillops revealed that the company recently launched an entertainment division that will focus on merchandising and toys at first, but the plan is to expand into media. McKillops believes that the mouse has enough brand recognition to justify movies and or a TV show aimed at young children. Ideally, we would love to have Chuck E. Cheese in animation and possibly one day a movie feature as well. For our demographic of three to eight-year-olds, he is one of the most popular characters in the world. And I think you're right there, Tim. I'm about 10 years late on this, Tim, but it still seems like um, it's a pretty good idea. Uh, what do you think uh, should, I mean, obviously they probably should move forward with this faster, but I think with COVID kind of hitting them pretty hard, this seems like the right time to maybe look at that, right? Yeah, maybe so. One of the things that will probably surprise some people is that um, if you ask kids today or show them a picture of who that is, they know Chuck E. Cheese. Then you show them a picture of Mickey Mouse, and they're like, is that Chucky's cousin or friend? They... Uh, about half the kids today don't know who Mickey Mouse is because he's not in their movies uh, or they've never been to Disney World. You don't hear as much about Mickey, um, but they all know who Chuck E. Cheese is. Uh, it's kind of a challenge if you have kids to see if your kids would recognize Mickey Mouse. So, Tim, if you haven't seen the, if you have Disney Plus and you haven't seen the new Mickey Mouse shorts that they've made recently, they play them on the Disney Channel sometimes. But if you haven't seen the new Mickey Mouse shorts, you should. My daughter absolutely loves them. Some of them are laugh out loud hilarious. So, kids, they have revamped Mickey Mouse for a new generation, and so I do think probably with that, more kids are probably starting to to recognize Mickey Mouse more than in previous years. But up until recently, it does seem like. Disney had kind of taken him off the table for some reason. And I don't know if it's just because they're having trouble adapting him. But the new Mickey Mouse cartoons, highly recommended. Um, Very funny. And they're all on Disney Plus if you have it. Now, YouTube Punk says, welcome to the Chuckyverse. Is this going to be like the the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Is that what it's going to be like? The CEC Uh, 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 Cinematic Universe? As a trivia question for tonight, who is the voice of Chuck E. Cheese? Who knows that one in the chat? Oh, we'll see. I I, I know that, Tim. We'll put it this way. You might not know his name, but what band is he the lead singer of? And it's not Chucky's band. He is actually a lead singer of a band. And what is that band? There you go. So it uh, sounds good. We'll throw it out there, see if the live chat can come up with it, Tim. But, uh, I, you know, I think my daughter would be interested. But by the time these movies and TV shows come out, I think she'll probably be too old for it. Maybe, my, maybe they'll be in time for my son. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, everything's getting to be a character nowadays. So, I mean, why not Chuck E. Cheese, right? No, why not? So there you go. And hopefully it helps them stay alive because, like I said, I mean, right now they're definitely running into a lot of trouble. So, uh, you know, hopefully it's another revenue stream that they can tap into and survive. Because we, Tim, 
we want you get Chuck E. Cheese to be around a long time. I mean, I know people, you know, complain about the loud, the kids and the pizza and all that kind of stuff. But Tim, I still have very fond memories of going to Chuck E. Cheese and going with my daughter to Chuck E. Cheese. And, you know, I, know, I don't want that place to go to business anytime soon. So. Uh, did anybody in the chat room get a trivia question yet? Nope, still waiting. Um, YouTube Punk says not Bushnell. Um, Seahorses All Night <laughs> says lead singer of Foghat. No. <laughs> so there you go. Okay, Tim, I'm going to go ahead while people are guessing and give the, um, the regular rundown at the end of the show that we always do. Just a reminder, guys, we want your arcade-related videos. If you want some free advertising for your YouTube channel, we're looking for people to submit short videos, 10 minutes or less, about arcade-related topics. Send a link of your video to questions at arcaderepairtips.com and our staff will review it. If we like it, we'll use it during one of our live show episodes. Make sure to put in a plug for your channel so people know where to find you. We look forward to seeing your sub- submissions. Tim, we haven't had any submissions in a while, but that's always open to people. And we want to know. We want to let you guys know that. Uh, Tim, a lot of people have issues or problems trying to get monetized on YouTube, and this is a way that we can help them get monetized, hopefully build your audience and expose you to our audience that will that will hopefully subscribe as well. So again, uh, send those over to questions at arcaderepairtips.com if you have a short video for us to review. And then Tim, let's go let's go with some contact information so people know where they can get, uh, that they can contact us at. We have our general email address at questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Questions with an S at arcaderepairtips.com. Make sure that you put live show on the subject if you want it mentioned on the show. Again, that's questions at arcaderepairtips.com. And then we have our YouTube page, and that's youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. Obviously, if you're watching this live, Tim, you know where it is. But for those of you guys who don't, youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. And uh, comments from the last live show will be covered on the next episode. And updates as well, Tim. We had an update from Sean in this episode, of course, and so we covered that. But if you do have um, any um, comments or updates that you'd like to share, you can share those in the comment section of this live show. We'll cover it on the next episode. And then we also have our podcast email. That's podcast at arcaderepairtips.com. That goes to Eric and Rusty, um, the host of the Question Answer podcast. And I talked to Eric a while back, and he said that they had a show pretty much complete, Tim, but he has not sent it over to me, so um, I have not posted that up. But I am hoping to get a, um, a show of theirs up at some point in the future. But until then, you can continue to listen to the live show audio on that feed, and you can still email them at podcast at arcaderepairtips.com. And hopefully they'll get around to your question at some point in the future. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher uh, if you want to listen to those podcast episodes. And that is at iTunes.ArcadeRepairTips.com and Stitcher.ArcadeRepairTips.com, respectfully. So, um, And if you like what you hear, go ahead and leave us a nice review. And then we'd love to get some reviews from you guys. Uh, you know, we uh, Tim, I love getting reviews. We've had a couple even this year, which is kind of hard to believe, that have been really good. So thank you guys for the positive reviews. And if you haven't... If you haven't left a review and you'd like to, go ahead and check out our iTunes or Stitcher pages for that. iTunes.ArcadeRepairTips.com and Stitcher.ArcadeRepairTips.com. And then we have our social media pages, Tim, and we want to thank Louie and Mark for all of the hard work that they do posting content. Mark's kind of our pinball reporter, Tim, and I don't know if you've seen, but he's been posting uh, videos and screenshots of the upcoming uh, Jersey Jack pinball machine, which a lot of people think may have a GNR theme, if you know what I mean. So, um, yeah. but, uh, we don't know that for sure. That's a rumor, Tim. Rumor, rumor. Okay. Unconfirmed, unsubstantiated, but a rumor nonetheless, maybe, maybe GNR. But, um, anyway, so, uh, if you want to find out about that and other arcade repair or arcade related news, make sure you check out our Facebook page at facebook.arcaderepairtips.com, facebook.arcaderepairtips.com. And of course, all that great content gets 
cross-posted to Twitter at twitter.arcaderepairtips.com, twitter.arcaderepairtips.com. And again, thank you, Mark and Louie, for all of the fantastic work that you do. And Louie, I don't know if he's still here, Tim. I haven't seen him in a while, but thank you for moderating the live chat for us tonight. We always appreciate that. He does a great job, Tim, of keeping everybody in line and then posting links to some of the stuff that we talk about during the show. So thank you, Louie, for that. Thank you, Mark and Louie, for the fantastic posts you make on the social media pages. Uh, We appreciate all your help. So, Tim, um, here we go. I guess it's time to get into an after show. That's what we're going to be covering here in a bit. Do you have anything to tease in the after show before we move, before we uh, close it up here? No, I haven't thought that far. Halloween plans. We'll be talking about that. Yeah, we'll talk about Halloween plans. Uh, Maybe some stock market stuff. Uh, Sports. uh, Football is back. I'm going to go. Hey, I'm I'm throwing some politics. I'm throwing some politics in there, Tim. And I'm not, we're going to talk on a general level, but how many people watched the debate and what did you think? And you don't have to tell me what side of the fence you're on. I just want to, th- I just want to know what you thought about the debate. Because I think it was very interesting. Tim, did you watch any of it? I watched some of it. I was at work, but uh, the TV was on up there, and then I watched some replay stuff. Okay. I, I um, listened to the entire thing, audio, just the audio version, when I was at work. Uh, and, and I'll have some thoughts, and I think Tim will too. So if you want to talk about that, we'll talk about that. Um, and, of course, Tim, there's not going to be another live show until after the election. So we can talk a little bit about Election Day as well and how that's going to look because it may look a little bit different depending on what state you're in. Sports, like you mentioned, Tim, and that our Dallas Stars did not win the Stanley Cup. But um, we did make it to the finals. We were close, but we didn't pull through. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, And then, of course, movies and TV talk is always, Tim. Challenger is on the list. Um, The Challenger documentary on Netflix, if you haven't seen that. So we will talk about that and a couple other shows that we've been watching. Okay, anything else, Tim, before we move on? Before we move on to the after show and leave the arcade repair universe for a little bit. I gotta go to the bathroom. Let's okay, go. sounds good. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And again, if you're um, if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, or if you just want the arcade repair talk version of the po- of the show, then uh, we'll leave you here. You guys can go ahead and make your exit. If you'd like to stay tuned and hear about all of the after show topics that we just talked about, you can do that. We'll be back here in about five to ten minutes or so. So, um, but it's up to you. But we do want to thank everybody who sent in questions. We want to thank everybody who is in the live chat tonight. Tim, just a, a great group of guys, always in our live chat. We appreciate you guys being around especially when there are 14 baseball games on tonight so we want to thank you guys for for uh, being here for uh for us and checking it out we hope to be back next month in november tim we'll do our thanksgiving episode so there you go and we'll talk some more arcade repair related questions and more news and all of that great stuff but guys thank you again for watching and remember here at arcade repair tips when we fix the game play the that's game. right thank you guys again for watching and we'll either see you next month or in the after show bye now Thank you for watching this episode of the Arcade Repair Tips live show. All of our past episodes are available on our website at ArcadeRepairTips.com or on our YouTube page. This show is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.